Shall we close our eyes as we meditatively pray this word again to God? Oh, let me feel thee near me. The word is ever near. I see the sights that dazzle, the tempting sounds I hear. My foes are ever near me, around me and within. But Jesus, draw down nearer and shield my soul from sin. Oh, let me hear thee speaking in accents clear and still. Above the storms of passion, the moments of self-will. Oh, speak to reassure me, to hasten or control. Oh, speak and make me listen, thou guardian of my soul. This is our joy, this is our confidence that you have delivered us from the powers of darkness. Even though we press against a system that is opposed to your own, we have this assurance that Christ has given us the victory. And Lord, with this understanding and in rejoicing, we sing that you have delivered us. And Lord, today, anyone here, anyone who is listening to my voice, who is yet to experience that deliverance that comes from your name, Lord Jesus, I pray that such a person will receive the fullness of that deliverance today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we yield our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. May your word alone be heard. May you minister life to us. May you break every shame. May you set us free to serve you in the fullness of life. May your help from above strengthen us today to the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Good morning, everyone. Now, this year, God has been taking us through the theme, Pressing Towards the Mark. And today's topic, Pressing Unto Victory with Convention, is in line with our theme. Now, looking at this topic, three words stand out. And that's pressing, victory, and conviction. And our discussion this morning will revolve around this three. The word pressing usually connotes an exertion of energy against an opposing force. For instance, when one tries to press against the crowd, push against a torrent, or against an opposing force, there's always that energy that you need to exert. So when you hear the word press, it's not a passive thing. It's not casual. It takes energy from us. And as Christians, the expressions pressing unto victory clearly brings out this one thing that in our journey to victory in life and ultimate victory when it's time to leave this place we will often find ourselves struggling and being at war with a system that is opposed to God and what we believe the kingdom of God in us trying to express the dominion mandate that God has given to us will always have us pitched against the kingdom of this world which on the other hand tries to pressure us to conform to its image and pattern and mold. But we have the admonition of our Lord in the book of Romans 12, 2, that commands us not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed through the renewal of our minds, that we may be able to prove what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will is. For though we are in the world, certainly we are not of this world. John 17, verse 14. So in discussing these topics, I will quickly delve into the three parts. The first thing we'll be looking at is the pressures without. We have said that pressing talks about or suggests that we are, you know, forcing against something. We'll try to look at the pressures we face, the pressures without, then our convictions within, then finally the victory in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to our text. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 1. I'll read verse 1, verse 4 to 6, and then 16 to 18. King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, sixty cubits high, and six cubits wide, and set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Let's jump to four. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, 
This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Then let's jump to 18, I mean 16 now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Praise the Lord. Now, for the three Hebrew young men, they were among the few that were exalted to the position in, in the administration of King Nebuchadnezzar. They faced the pressure of worshipping the gods of Babylon and bowing down in worship to the golden statue made by the king. Failure to bow down meant execution in a blazing furnace. All other provincial officials had no issues bowing down to the golden image except these three young men. Now, the fact that every other person was bowing down wasn't their issue. They were more concerned about what they believe, about their convictions. They knew that only the God of heaven deserved their worship, and he alone should be worshipped. How willing are we as Christians to stand up for what we believe, even when every other person around us seems to be taking the easy way out? In our offices, do we stand for the truth? In our business, you know, the drama has made a lot of things easy for me this morning. In our businesses, what kind of scales do we use? Do we weigh honest scales? Do we place money before people? Do we make lives part of our normal way of getting, um, getting, our, getting by in business? You heard the man that made the phone call, and suddenly where he was became <laughs> the airport, and he was even trying to describe the other person where he was. It has gotten so bad that sometimes even we Christians find it so easy to lie. Our mouths are no longer heavy. These things are around us. They are pressures we face. People do them to succeed, but is it necessary for us? To us, young people, in school, since we can't beat them, do we join them in exam or practices? Insulting lecturers, paying for mercenaries to help us in external exams, patronizing special centers in order to have unfair advantages. And what about dressing like them? We also saw in the drama, the young lady that was asking herself, is this how <laughs> I'm going to be pressing? And to her, pressing was about the body. But as we go on in this discussion, we will know exactly what God expects of us and what he has said about our body when we start looking at the convictions within. Now, no one is really entirely free from these pressures on the outside. Adults experience them just like young people do. Even though we tend to focus more on young people when we talk about peer pressures, but the truth is that even adults have peers and are often influenced by them too, both positively and negatively. We'll look at the displeasure for adults, then we'll spend more time to look at the pressure for young people. For adults, this pressure usually manifests as my mate syndrome. My mate syndrome. <laughs> Hello, hmm? And the one we are facing now, apparently because of the condition of the nation, and um, and I will say I'm not even free from that one too. And they meet me and I travel outside the country. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yes. These pressures are there. These pressures are there. 
these pressures are there. The unbelievers face it. We face it too. And these things tend to push us into the vicious cycle of endless pursuits and material possessions. And before we know it, we are caught up in the web, which the scripture refers to as the deceitfulness of riches, where we erroneously, erroneously think that happiness comes with more material possessions, only to discover at the end of the day that it's all illusion. For the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, sometimes I think we actually also need to remind ourselves that some of our mates are also dead. Funny as that may sound, but I think it's important. Maybe that will make us slow down a bit. Because the devil's system is to show us all those who seem to be making advances more than us. He doesn't show us those who are below us. He doesn't show us those we are better than us. And then more importantly, he doesn't show us those that have died. And in doing that, our eyes are closed to God's faithfulness. We cannot see his mercies. We cannot see his deliverances. We fail to remember that there's a hand that keeps us each passing day. And no wonder the scripture admonishes us that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of celebration in Ecclesiastes. Because there, we all will get there when we get to the house of money. We are reminded that this is a future that awaits us. For young people, I'm also very glad that um, the drama has made it so easy. Now, it, you know, it breaks my heart and it's imperative we the adults should always spend time to pray for these young ones because the truth is that there's overwhelming pressure on them. You know, uh, I work at the teen church and when you hear things people face, when you hear things that happen, you, you realize that these things, I don't think they were there in our own time. Evil has multiplied. And this is evident that hell has opened its mouth wide, trying to govern more people. When I was young, I could remember then, <laughs> you know, sometimes my mom talks about, you see adults being rebooked for playing pool. And when they never we find out what pool. Yes, the young ones might not know, but it's equivalent to this betting, the sports betting we saw that guy doing. Then it was seen as evil. It was seen as irresponsibility. It was seen as bad. It was condemned. And of course, you don't get young people doing it. But now it has become the order of the day that even students in school bet. Now, when you see people so interested in sports, so interested in games, knowing all the history, it's not because they love the game so much. <laughs> Sometimes we need to look deeper. <laughs> you know that their money is there because the scriptures say that wherever your treasure is, there will your heart also be. But we need to pull back and ask ourselves some salient questions. The era of MMM, we all knew what happened. Even students, some we know, pushed their school fees to play games to make money. This pressure, this push. And in the drama, we also saw the desire for Brazilian hair. I asked myself, why not? Okay, before it used to be India hair. <laughs> then I want not Brazilian hair. Maybe very soon, American hair, <laughs> UK hair, and, and I don't know when it will come to the turn of Nigeria. But I keep asking myself, <laughs> you're laughing. But I don't know why we think in all the beauty God lavished on us as women. I don't know why we think we need extra. I don't think we really need all that. And sometimes, when you come to us, if you can speak to us men... You will know that most of us don't even know the difference between those cheap ones <laughs> and the Brazilian ones we kill, our, you know, we kill ourselves for. And why are these things? It becomes weight on us. It becomes so heavy. It takes our attention away from important things that matters. And this is the pressures we face now. The cultism in schools. 
and most painfully, the progressively blurring line, the dividing line between what is expressly good and evil is progressively being blurred, such that the definition of evil is now becoming relative and it's no longer clear to the young ones what is good and what is bad. You saw someone believing is right to involve in girlfriend, boyfriend relationship, immorality, and yet quoting a lot of scriptures. And some people sincerely think there's nothing wrong with these things. The deception also that material possession validates God's approval on our Christianity. Please, that is not true. But this is the world we have found ourselves in now. Some people also believe that the broad and the narrow way now leads to the same place as we saw in the drama. But unfortunately, when we make these mistakes and get to the end, we realize we cannot retrace our way back. Praise the Lord. Now, we need God and His grace to help us withstand all these pressures we face. And thankfully, that grace has been made available to us. Can we turn to Titus 2? The book of Titus 2. 11, because sometimes when we talk about grace, there's also this confusion that grace means we can do anything and everything once we are born again, and then we are free. But that's not what the Bible defines it as, and I'm glad it was also brought out in the drama. Titus 2 verse 11 to 14 for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. What does it teach us? To say what? No. Not it doesn't matter. Not God accepts it. Not it doesn't, you know, one, God looks at the, at the heart and not the, no. It teaches us to say no to these ungodly behaviors, ungodly lifestyle, and worldly passions, and to live what self-controlled lives, upright and godly lives in this present age. It is possible, my brothers and sisters. It is. With the grace of God, it's possible to live upright and godly lives in this present generation. Praise the Lord. While we await the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are, that are his very own, eager to do good works. Praise the Lord. Now, having looked at the prayers for the, the, the adults and the youth, what does the scripture say in the face of all these pressures to conform to the world around us? We are told that we should be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Time will fail me to really go into this issue of renewing our minds. But in summary, it's impossible for us not to conform if we don't give ourselves wholly to the whole counsel of God, if we don't give our time to studying the scriptures, not just as preached here, but on our own as individuals at home, to read, to meditate, to pray over it, and to allow God to work in our lives through the word, that way we will begin to see things the way he sees. And then it becomes... Evil becomes weightier. Those lies that are easy to come out of people's mouths, we find it being heavy in your mouth. And it becomes easier to hear the Spirit of God within, restraining you. You know, sometimes we become too noisy that we lost, we don't feel any restraints anymore. And sometimes people say, oh, God doesn't speak to me, or they wonder how God speaks to others when they hear that God speaks to people. But you know when Christ was living, he didn't send the Holy Spirit to be in one place. So that we all, you know, the way he was. He sent him to them who received him so that he would live in them one by one to guide them and to lead us into all truth. 
And as long as you have received him, as long as you have Christ in you, the spirit of God is there and he speaks. Now, initially when I didn't understand, there is what I will express. I was expressing then in my own words as this fear I don't understand. Whenever I start treading the path of error, this fear grips me. Now, sometimes it may not be expressly erroneous to me. It may not be apparent at then. But the fear inside my heart, once that fear comes and I go ahead to do that thing, I find myself hitting the rock and regretting that thing. But each time I retrace myself and stay with the peace, everything works out well. Initially, I wasn't paying attention, but when I started observing, I noticed the pattern, and then I realized what it means. Now, there's a peace that Christ promised to leave with his church. He said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I thee. In this world, you have what? Tribulation. But in me, you have peace, and be of good share, for I have overcome the world. Now, this peace is like the umpire that guards our hearts. And once that assurance is there, that peace is there, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Through the word he speaks to us, the word jumps out of the scripture as we meditate and read, and so many other types. Maybe some others in dreams and visions. But in all these things, God admonishes us that for the young people, the finality is until our mind gets renewed, it will be difficult to prove God's will. In the things we face. And in Proverbs 1 verse 10. It says my son. If sinners entice you. Do not give in to them. Proverbs 10 1 verse 10. And again Proverbs 4 13. Says my son. Hold on to instruction. And do not let it go. Guard it well. For it is your life. Peer pressure. Is not only negative. As uh, most of our discussion usually go the negative side. It can also be positive. And the scriptures admonishes that in Hebrews 10.24. It says, consider how you will spur one another unto good works and love. So we can influence others positively. We can discuss the good things God is doing in our lives. And it will influence other people to follow. We can listen to God, people's testimony and their lifestyle and conversations and God will help us to move on and make our lives better. So in choosing our friends, who are your friends? Who are your friends? Because it's only those you interact with that can influence you, whether positively or negatively. Am I right? So please, let's be careful, especially the ladies. Let's know that every acquaintance will not be a friend. And friendship is not by force. I know why I'm saying some of these things. Because sometimes, you see some people push themselves on you so much. And sincerely, you know your values does not rhyme with this person's value. But because of sentiments, you feel handicapped, cutting yourself from such relationships that wouldn't help you. But please, let's know that friendship should be by choice. And these values should be, you know, the, the, the considerations when we make such choices. Praise the Lord. Now, let's quickly look at our convictions within. Conviction is defined by Webster Dictionary as an opinion held with complete assurance. A strong belief or assuredness, certainty, doubtlessness about something we believe. Let's briefly examine the convictions of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from our text. I will quickly bring them out because of time so that we can run through the things we need to touch. Now, from the place we read about the decree that was made by the king and about their response and about where they came from in the first place from um, Judah into Babylon for um, um, during the exile. Number one, they knew that they, they were, they knew who they were and who they belonged to. If you read Daniel 1 chapter 3, I mean Daniel 1 verse 3 and verse 6 to 7, you will see where um, reference was made clearly to who they were when they were picked. 
The Bible said that they were nobles and royalty. They were nobles and royalty, men of statues, men of, you know, they were handsome, of good learning and all that. Now, to me, the important thing I brought out there is this nobles and royalty. And that's what God has made us, kings and priests to him. Now, as royalty, they know they can't just condescend like every other person. Self-worth. We need to know who we are. We need to know who we are in Christ because that will help us to maintain our stand despite the pressures we face. Number two, they were convinced that their bodies belong to God. Hence, they are resolved not to defile themselves with the king's delicacies in Daniel 1 verse 8. How do we honor God with our bodies? As mothers, as fathers, as young people, do we realize that our bodies do not belong to us? That Christ bought them. And that we are commanded to honor him with our bodies. Number three, they were convinced that God alone is the true God and only him deserves to be worshipped. Daniel 3.16 verse 18. Number four, they believe that God is alive, one, and I will come back to that. He's alive, he's able, and he's willing to deliver those who trust in him. In their own words, we know the God we serve can deliver us. And he will deliver us from your hands, O king. But even if he does not, we will not bow down to your image, nor worship your gods. Now, Sometimes, casually, we know God exists. We know he's alive. But when we examine, do we really believe he's alive? Like our parents are alive and they see us passing through difficult things, situations and they are touched by compassion and emotion. Sometimes we, we know God is there, but somehow he seems too far that he doesn't feel anymore. He doesn't perceive. He's not so alive. Somehow. Then other times, the one the devil used to deceive a lot of us is that he is able, but he is not willing. Then we now find ourselves dancing between, is God willing to save me? Is it God's will or not God's will? In the issues of health, when he has made it clear that it is his will that we prosper and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. In the issue of prosperity, he has made it clear. And in several areas of our lives, the devil gets us to know that, believe that God can, but that he may not want to. But here, this Hebrew 3 knew, he, they declared with their mouth that their God will save them from the hands of the king. But then, even if he decides not to save, we are not ready to go the easy way. Praise the Lord. He is able, abundantly able, to deliver and to save. He is able, abundantly able. To deliver those who trust in him. Now that was their testimony. And did God deliver them or not? Yes, he did. Finally, they were convinced of the life hereafter. And the possibility of a better resurrection. Hence their willingness to lay down their lives for what they believe. In this our days, it appears those who believe the wrong message. And by that, that I mean the Muslims. It appears they kind of believe in the world hereafter more than us Christians who have the true faith. And I say this because you see them more willing to die for their faith. You see them more daring in advancing it. But we who have the truth, we, we who are sure of the life hereafter and the real eternity tend to shake out when it comes to those points of decisions 
that may just hurt us, not even kill us, but that tends towards shedding of blood, we tend to be afraid and run away. We need to examine these things again. Now, we have looked at the convictions of these three Hebrew young men. It's time to examine our own convictions. Because that is the whole essence of this message. For the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore, let him that think he stands take heed that he does not fall. And also in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, the scripture says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. So, it is not out of place to occasionally examine our faith. To look at the things we believe. We are called believers. It is important we periodically examine exactly what do we believe. Why are we being called believers? And I will just touch just a few of them. Do you believe the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is enough for your redemption and deliverance from the powers of darkness? Or do you believe you have to be delivered over and over again? Those of us from this southeastern part of um, Nigeria understand the merchandise that goes on in our villages. Where Christians... Well, I don't think those people are here. But we know Christians who call people the prayer merchandise to come and deliver them. Deliver their families. Deliver them over and over again from the powers of darkness. When we know that in Colossians 1.13-14, Christ expressly made it clear there that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness those of us who believe, and translated in, translated into the kingdom of his dear son in the light in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. But when they come and does these things and flash it around and say all sorts of testimonies that are not validated, we submit, we are cowed because the word is not inside. What do we really believe? Do you believe that you've been washed from your sins? And that you now have the nature of God in you? Or do we believe that you are like fish in the water that can't really live without sin? What do we believe? We hear people when they pray at times or say things or involve in discussions. Maybe to sound pious. We hear these statements. We can't really live without sinning. We are like fish in the water. You know, as if you need sin to be alive. Brethren, that's not true. The Bible says that sin shall not do what? Have dominion over you. Because we are now under grace. And that same grace we have seen that teaches us to say no. Praise the Lord. What do you believe? Do you believe that the chastisement of your peace, the chastisement that will ensure the peace of your body, the peace of your mind, was laid upon him, and that by his stripes you were healed. Not you will be healed, you were healed. Now we read these things. That's Isaiah 53 verse 5. But then, most times we face the challenges, the devil comes and says otherwise. The pressures comes and says otherwise. Sickness comes and says otherwise. Now these are normal battles we are called to face. All of us in life. But the battle of faith is that faith is that we stand on the word and declare our faith and declare those things that we believe that made us to be called believers. Praise the Lord. As Christians, you must understand that what we truly believe deep down within is what shapes our lives. Hence, the scripture admonishes us in Proverbs 4 verse 23 to guard our hearts with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. It is our inner convictions about God and his word, that is our faith in God, that forms our anchor against the storms and the pressures of life. This faith gives us stability no matter the amount of pressure without. And the more we renew our minds with the word of God, 
the more we fine-tune our inner convictions to align with his will. The more sensitive we become to the leading of the Holy Spirit within. This peace he gives to us is the ultimate empire to guide us to victory. John chapter 14 verse 27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Praise the Lord. No matter what the outside evidence suggests, and this is a candid advice to us, especially the young ones. No matter what the outside evidence suggests, always go with what the word of God says, and this inner peace that is the umpire given by Christ himself, to guide our hearts. That is what guides us through victory. Sometimes the, the odds, the evidence, this, um, you know, the environmental evidence and things around are so weighty that you, you may be tempted to negate what your inside states. But please, let's stay true to our within because that is the ultimate guide and it will prove, you know, right at the end of the day. Philippians 4, Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard or mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the beginning of this inner peace is new birth in Christ Jesus. As this experience quickens our inner man and ushers us into a new life of victory in Christ Jesus. Can we um, turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, quickly? Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Now, you must realize that the man without Christ is dead according to the verdict of God in the garden. And when Christ came, he brought life. And to all who receive, they become quickened again to life. And this is what quickens our conscience and makes, you know, makes it easy for us to hear him. And that's why he said that when he goes, that he will come to his own in the person of the Holy Spirit. As we conclude, we'll look at victory in Christ Jesus, or victory as last. And now let's go back to our text. I want to show us something that this pagan king said, Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel 3.28, we can see the testimony that when we stay faithful to our convictions, like the Hebrew young men did, you can see the testimony brought to the name of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember before now, his obsession was his own God. And he was furious that they were not worshipping his God or bowing down to him. And that anyone, in fact, the Bible says that his countenance changed or that he turned pale or red in anger. That when he heard that they were not bowing down and they were even confident to utter that before him. But now his testimony has changed and he's declaring about another God, the almighty God. And he says, Um... 20. Okay. Um, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command. And we are willing to give up their life rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, (laughs) therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles and rubbles. For no other God can save this way. Now this is real victory. Glory to the name of God and promotion for them. In fact, let's take it down. The king, if I state it, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. A situation that presented itself as death sentence at the end of the day ended in promotion and glory to God. 
So the decisions by these three young men to stand by their conviction, even at the risk of their, of their lives, brought glory to the name of God and got them promoted. How have we fared in the face of outward pressures and oppositions to our faith? How well have we stood for God in our workplaces and other places of assignment he has given us? Have our actions or inactions brought glory or disrepute to the name we bear? One of the things I always pray and ask God to help me is that, you know, you hear some people's testimony when they say that, man, Christianity won't hmm, I don't think I will. It, that's one of the most painful things that can be said about the name of Christ. And by the, by the way, we should understand that it is actually our lives that speaks loudest. Whether it's in our homes before our children, whether it is in the workplace, the things we do, people see and read. And they weigh your words at the end of the day by your actions and characters they have seen. And then we hear people make that painful statement that Oka or Christianity May God not allow our lives to bring such statements to his name in the mighty name of Jesus. In the drama, there's a scene that at least gave me some encouragement because the testimony was that ah, all of them that went that way don't come back. Maybe there's something there that they're enjoying that keeps them. And it was very painful. That may be the confusion of some of us that are at the verge of contemplating. Do we go and test? Do we go there? You know, is there something there? There must be something there. But at the end of the day, I got encouraged when at least there was someone, someone who held on and made it to the end and saw the glory and received the crown of victory. I asked us, Will you be like those who dropped off or those who have excess baggages or those who blur the line of good and evil and carry these things believing that it doesn't matter? My dear, it will be painful for us to go on and find out at the end that it does matter. As we round off and begin to pray, I would like us to take this song and pray that God will help us Help us to hold on to the true convictions, true conviction that people outside will see and even without words be converted to come to the knowledge of God. Let's close our eyes as we are praying. Is your door? As we are singing this song, I know the Spirit of God is already speaking to our hearts. Do you have this peace that we are talking about? This peace that is the umpire for our souls. This peace that guides us in the storms of life and becomes the anchor for our soul. If you don't have this peace, I want you to begin to talk to God in your heart. Begin to ask Jesus to come into your life. Begin to ask him to, you know, open your hands and embrace the sacrifice he has made. And peradventure, you have received him 
that some of these weights and baggages are still there being carried on and then you're getting a bit confused as to what is wrong and what is right. I want you to begin to examine these things and ask the Lord to show you mercy. In the, all the issues he's pointing, please do not leave them. Do not leave them. Do not leave them. Whatever he's pointing to, trash it out. As I hand the mic over to our venerable to round off these prayers. subject to sin, living a life of peer pressure, living a life of up and down, living a life of following everywhere. As the prophecy said, you don't have any conviction. You don't have an assurance that Jesus is inside of you. And you want that peace and that firm conviction. If you are the one, wherever you are, just raise your hand where you are. Just raise your hand where you are. Raise it very well. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Just stand where you are briefly. Because it's a sure thing. There is a word of God that comes. And when there is the conviction that Jesus is there. You are stable. You are sure. You are on a foundation. Of which the chief cornerstone is Jesus. And this morning he's doing that change and bringing across your way. Whoever you are, you want that peace that passes all understanding. You want the struggle with sin, the world, the pressure, the peer pressure, and what the world is competing with to end. You want to have a root in Christ. We have said it enough. And you want to live with peace and assurance that you belong to God. Just raise your hand where you are. Young people, older people, you want that peace. That's the essence of this message. You can pray some with conviction because you have made peace. And having been made to be reconciled with God, we have peace within through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is there any other person still struggling? You are not sure of your right from your left. Once you are outside the influence of whom? Church. You are any other person's prey. You don't have a conviction that there is Jesus and his spirit inside of you. This is a call for you. And for the rest of us, you have peace that came at salvation. You lost it. Right now, the peace of God that assures you that it is well is missing. You have issues you are struggling with. You don't have peace. The prophecy had gone forth in two phases. And the word of God has also said it. You are struggling. You are confused. Do I go back? Is there something I'm missing? Can this make the difference in my life? That peace is lacking. The assurance is not there. Friend, also tell God this morning. If you have been of him, tell him, Father, I know who I believe and I am persuaded that he's able to take me through this situation. Give me peace and give me direction. Please pray that prayer and reconcile back that you can get the peace that passes all understanding and assurance that God is with you. My friend, as you stand, the Bible says you believe God with your heart and you confess with your mouth and with your heart. You believe unto righteousness with your mouth. You make confession unto salvation. And as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from their sins. Saved from their past life. 
Repeat this prayer shortly after me with all your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you. You love me. You paid the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary. The blood you shed was for me. Now, I know I'm a sinner. I have lived my own way. I have no peace. I have no assurance or direction to heaven. But this morning, I come to my senses. I repent from my past. I repent from my sins. I surrender to you. Come into my life. Lord Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me the power to be your child. Write my name in the book of life. And lead me on in peace and assurance the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As many as receive you, God, you give them the power to be your children who were born not of flesh, not of blood, by the will and power of God. Lord, even as your son surrenders this morning, Lord, I ask that your power already makes a difference in his life from the beginning in the name of Jesus Christ. Let all things pass away and let all things become new and endure him with your peace and your spirit that gives a conviction and a witness that it belongs to you. And may he live for you hereafter. To the glory of your name. In Jesus name we pray.